some of our favorite picks to share with you as we count down to Christmas. We hope you get a chance to taste some of these great bourbon brands this holiday season with friends and family. Until then, bourbon on. And uh, we're up to the next one. Next one we have on the, the slate is? It's going to be Clyde Mays. And uh, as we look at these two bottles, talk about a contrast in style. Uh, the 1792s of more, I guess, modern look. Yeah, does feel it. A little more... Uh, decorated, where you got climate, very nostalgic uh, bottle shape, um, and the label, uh, very, very much a throwback, which is what actually drew me to that uh, originally. It's yeah, it's almost, got a good look. It's almost identical to TX, actually. Yeah, the shape of the bottle. Yep. The shape of the bottle. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then the 1792 has got maybe more of a, a cognac shape bottle. It's a little yeah. fancier French. Yeah, kind of crown royalish. Yep. Perfume. I like it that too of a perfume bottle. Yeah. yeah, it does. It's a scaled up. That would be a very, a very expensive, very expensive <laughs> perfume. Or very cheap. BFPB. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Clyde May. So, so what do you got? What do so you learn? So Clyde May. Uh, this is like I said. It's a uh, pretty nostalgic looking bottle. Nice label. Um, this is the second time I've had it. Uh, a friend of mine uh, actually gave me both bottles, or different friends gave me the two bottles. So I mean, this one is a, a gift. So I always appreciate that. As do we. Gifts As taste we. better. Gifts taste better. They do, especially right? From a good, especially especially from if a there's good somebody guy. else's <laughs> gifts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Especially from a good guy. But uh, So Clyde May, um, this is the straight bourbon whiskey. Uh, a lot of folks that I started talking to, I wasn't familiar with it before, but who are familiar with it, um, he's got, uh, under this label, an Alabama kind of original. That is a, I think it's just a whiskey, not a bourbon. Uh, with more of an apple flavor that I think is where he really uh, got his foothold okay. in the mm-hmm. business. But uh, interesting backstory. So Clyde May uh, was an actual person. He was born in the 1920s, around 1922, I believe. Uh, grew up in the Depression era. Uh, went off to the war in, in 1942. Uh, I think around 46, he was injured and discharged. Came back, uh, I think, to Alabama uh, to run the family farm. Uh, he was a... I guess an average farmer at best, never mastered that, but apparently he was really damn good at making spirits. So <laughs> that is a talent. That is a talent, and we're thankful that he did. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so he stayed on the edge of the law uh, with that. So very, That's true. yeah, very much so. Uh, one of the things I read said between 1950 and 1980, they estimated he would put out about 300 gallons a week. Dang. Holy crap. That's a lot of. Dang. So. That's yeah. a lot of fake farming. That's a lot of fake farming. So it got him in trouble a couple of times. He did a little it's bit. It's like of, cleaning money. Uh, yeah, well, in 73, he actually ended up doing about eight months um, oh. of time. Okay. Uh, so he, he was good at running. He wasn't great at it, apparently. <laughs> uh, so Got slower. He got slower. Got caught. Uh, but when he passed away in, in 1990, his son, kind of as a tribute to him, pursued uh, starting to legally bottle. Um, what his dad had, had created. So in awesome. 1990, I love that. That yeah. is awesome. <laughs> no, that's, that's like yesterday. It's like safe, it? so, yeah. safe enough distance. Exactly. Yeah, yeah one of their uh, lines I read was, uh, 
distilled since 1946, legal since 2001. That's so, <laughs> okay. that is I wonder great. if he paid taxes. <laughs> better, <laughs> late, better late than never. It's yes, very, admit it's, nothing. Yeah, mm. it's, it's really good. I like it. It's very smooth. Um, the mash on it's 78% corn, 12% mm. rye, and 10% barley. All right, so, so that should that should be even sweeter, perhaps, yeah. than uh, the 1792. Yeah. The mm. other thing they called out, which I thought <clears> was interesting, and you can kind of taste it, um, is it, they call out that they're it's stored in heavily charred barrels. So you mm-hmm. char the inside of the barrels. Just apparently they go a little longer with that, so it'll probably get a little more richness, a little more uh, yeah woody. Out of okay. It. Which, in contrast to this, these are actually these go into brand new barrels. The seventeen ninety two. Yeah, the seventeen ninety two does. Yeah, sorry, I'm pointing at this, but nobody knows what I'm pointing. <laughs> we can to. see it. <laughs> we got you, Kurt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's give it a try. Yeah. I mean, again, it's average farmer. Hell of a spirit maker, so thank God he stayed. But back. I always think about, so let me see that bottle for a second, Derek. Not a very loud uncork. It's not. You <laughs> yeah. need to pull it up. There uh-huh. you go. <laughs> All right, here we go. So every time you say the name. Clyde May. Yeah, so who was, it's like a Western, not a thief, but a. Yeah, Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde. That's what I think <laughs> oh, about yeah. every right. time. Every time I hear the name of this stuff, I think of Bonnie and Clyde. Clyde May. Yeah, it does. It does have like a, a sweet smell to it. Yeah. So, do you think that's him on the bottle? That's him. That's There's so cool. Several pictures of him on the website. In his prison grays. No, by the mailbox. <laughs> Waiting for the check. <laughs> yep. So where are they? So it's in Alabama. Yeah, uh, it is. It, that's a good okay. point, though. It's actually distilled in Kentucky and bottled in Florida. So okay. The Alabama roots only got them so far. Just roots. Yep. Just roots. Okay. So maybe is that where it started? Was crafted in Alabama? Yes. I love the nostalgic pictures on it. Yeah, I do want to try the straight Alabama, uh, the Alabama style. So, as- what do you think? Not bad. First sip, uh, it's got a little burn to it. You know, for surprise, for having less rye in it, I think it's got more. At least on my palate, taste I get a little bit more burn than the seventeen ninety two. Really, definitely sweet. Warms it up. <clears throat> um, I I'm, I'm waiting for that chard. Yeah, I'm not getting a whole lot of the 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 char. I don't know what I get for flavors. What do you taste? I'm definitely picking up on the the barrel. You get. Right. I am. This doesn't, for me, this doesn't have as much bite to it. So if I just hold it on my tongue for a bit, like I can feel the 1792. Like it's almost like yeah. my tongue's getting cold from, it's not, right? Yep. yep. And I don't, this feels a lot more, um, uh, how do I want to describe it? Like it's got a thickness to it almost. Like there's a. It's pretty smooth. It is really mm, smooth. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's a better way to describe yeah, yeah. it, but. It's about a, I think, a, say, $35, $38 bottle, so it's not a bad mm, bottle. It's, bad. it's out bad. of the mainstream, yeah. so it's a good conversation starter. Um, yep. A, a little less uh, available in this area. Uh, the guy who gave it to me is uh, down in Charlotte. I think went down in South Carolina and picked that up. Okay. 92 good, good to add to the... Uh, it's good. Yeah. Add to the uh, cabinet. So you mentioned the list before. Mm. Uh, we started the list, not the... Uh, of the, remember the wish list of bourbons to try to look for? Yep. So we need to update that and make that available on our on the website. Yeah, no, that's a good call. Yeah. That's a good call. And yeah. if anyone wants to contribute to helping us achieve the list, yes, send it in. 
or yeah, at least totally. pulling out some new, sure. uh, new stuff for us to yeah. try. Yeah. Happy to try more. I like the saying on here, say what you be, be what you say. Keeping it simple. Keeping it simple. Keeping it real. Here's to Clyde. Here's to Clyde. I like it. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I'm glad Clyde uh, chose not to be a farmer. Yes. Yeah, this turned uh, out much better for us. Yep. Uh, followed, followed his passion, I would say. Yeah. Seemed to be pretty good at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder how much of that, honestly, was driven by what he really enjoyed versus what he was good at. Yeah. Mm. And I got to think at that time, and, and, and that, I mean, think about Great Depression, mm-hmm. Dust Bowl, farming, you know, um, that was probably not an easy conversation to have with the parent folks. If he had it at all. If he had it at all. <laughs> I'll, be, true. I'll be on the back sure. 40 today. <laughs> yes. I'll take the far away acres. I'm going to go pick the corn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, think of, think of having to make that decision to say, I'm really good at something that perhaps you didn't want me to be. Yeah. And uh, I think we all want that for our kids too, which is, you know, do what you're excited about. Yeah. Um, you know, and 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 um, it may not be the path that you, you would have thought of. Um, I don't know, Dave. What, what do you think, David? You guys ever? Um, I don't know. I, I, this goes way back. Um, the conversation I had with my father <clears throat> when I was um, finished undergrad and um, massive recession. I've, I seem to be lucky enough to graduate um, from any kind of education right in the middle of a recession, but. Um, you know, I, I was finished school. My um, my wife at that time, my girlfriend, was living in Boston. And, um, I was like, wife at that time. What's, <laughs> yeah. what's this all about? My wife. We now, do my need Sarah at that time. Yeah, <laughs> but Sarah was um, in Boston, Berkeley College of Music, and um, you know, I was staying at home, couldn't find a job. Um, believe it or not, I actually had money in the bank, and went to my dad, and it's like, hey, you know, Sarah really wants me to move to Boston. And um, he said, well, what are you going to do? I was like, well, the, the North Bennett Street School is oh, out there. Oh, yeah. And um, North Bennett Street School is a, a fine woodworking, instrument-making, bookbinding school, like old, old, old master trade kind of stuff. And, um, you know, at that point I was doing a lot of woodworking. And my dad, you know, was like, well, you know, Dave Rue, that's a great um, vocation, but it certainly isn't an occupation. And um, mm. that stuck with me for a long time, you know, and it's one of those things you mentioned the um, decisions you make 10 years back are very different than the ones that you do now. And so, you know, Sarah and I often talk about what would have happened mm. if I had just told dad, forget it, I'm going to go, I'm going to follow my passion, right? Yeah. No kids, no wife, just a girlfriend. 10 years ago? Well, no, it was much more than that. But mm, okay. Anyways, just checking. you know, I... Would have gone up there. She would have finished at Berkeley. I probably would have finished at North Bennett Street. And then who knows where we would have been. Mm. And so I always go back and kind of replay that in my head. Um, and I took a left instead of a right. And I mm. sometimes wonder, you know, it's like yeah. we're wired certain ways. And for me, um, you know, I'm, I'm wired to work with my hands. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that's not what I do to put food on the table. Mm. And often... Um, what I do to put food on the table, um, I'm so damn tired by the weekend comes on that I don't do what you what are I super was passionate wired about. to do. We and, have a and fifth work beat. with my hands. So, anyways, Poop, I mean, I do pooped passion. No, poop, pooped <laughs> seriously, people passion. Yeah, passion. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I mean that is one thing that um, 
you know, as you get older and you start, Lord knows, talking about retirement, you know, and mm. it, for me, it's always that struggle. I don't want to wait until then to have the time mm. to be able to do what I truly love doing. Um, and apparently years ago, I didn't have the balls to stand up and say, you know what, I am going to go after this and do something that I feel like I was truly wired mm-hmm. to professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, but again, you make the choices you make. And so, so one of the things that's been liberating about the changes that sometimes are forced upon us is you get more than one shot at that. Yeah. Yeah, that played out the way it did at that time. Right. But, you know, again, as we contemplate the turns in our life, the choices we made, sometimes we get another shot at it. Yeah, And absolutely. so it's, it's, you know, one of the things, again, that I like bouncing off you guys or sharing from my experiences is, you know, there's good perspective. Right. And I keep saying perspective, but nobody offers to make that a P. But I'm not, you can make that I'm, a P. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I think finished. we're gonna have a T-shirt pretty soon with all the P words. Yeah, all the P words, right? Just but, <laughs> but anyway, that's just one of the you know the things in in this storyline is that perspective of you know change is not as scary as it right as it once felt like it was. Right. I think I think there's truth to that, right? I mean, I think the it, we probably can all relate to this in some some degree um you know i worked since i was 16 you know when i stepped out and took that break right it was that was really uncomfortable yeah but i think you know you learn that i think the greatest thing that i learned right in this last two years year and a half is that everything works out right it no it really does everything works out so well we're trained from that point when you're 16 and working that the next step has always got to be up, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's yeah. how we we're wired. That's how we're educated. And there's yep. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But at some point, it's awesome to get the opportunity to to be step aside. Step aside, whether it's your mm-hmm. choice or others, and say, right. "Oh wow, that's there's other ways to do this. There's other mm-hmm. things that matter." Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, there was a um, I'll have to look up the name of the book, but it may have been the book Fish. Okay. It's like pH. Yeah. <laughs> Not pH Another yet. P word. Could be. No. It's, it's I think actually. it was I think it was just just the word fish, but I'll have to check it out. And uh, there's a story about an executive who goes into and I found this. I was in a um a I job. You've read it? I've mm-hmm. read, and tell me if this is the right book. I was going for a job interview, had been recently laid off, uh two weeks before Christmas, two thousand and eight. So bottom of the bottom. Merry Christmas, Derek. Yep. Uh, and I was in a job interview shortly after that and in the waiting room flipping through a bunch of business magazines and came across this article and it was the story of the woman I believe in the book Mm. and if this is the right book let me know okay the story goes that she was in the fish market in Seattle and there was a saying she she was watching the, the fish market early in the morning, and she was watching the teams at throw Pikes. the Pikes. It was at Pikes, Pikes Place, Mar- Pikes yeah. Place Market, yeah. And she's watching the the salmon being thrown around, yep. and then they're just winging these 30, 40 pound mm-hmm. fish over each other from stall to stall. And there was a a, um, a sign above one of the booths, and it said, "If if failing was impossible, what would you do?" And that stuck with me, which is, if what are the reasons why you're afraid to do something? And mm. when she went up to that booth, she, she went back a few mornings in a row and, and she was like, I'm really struck by this mm. sign. And 
the guy said, yeah, it's, it, it, this is what I want to do. I wanted to do this. And I was, I, I was on a different path, and, but, but my passion wasn't there, and this is really what I wanted to do. So he asked her, and, and she was stumped. She didn't know. Um, if, if failure wasn't possible, because that tends to be the reason why you don't do it. It's like, mm-hmm. I'll probably fail. I'll either fail to provide for the family. I'll fail to, <clears throat> fail to get a job. I'll fail to be good at it, whatever it is. So when, when posed with that, if failure is impossible, what would you do? was a completely liberating mm-hmm. idea. Absolutely. Fail. Or fear. Yeah. No, which one is it? Fail? I think it's the fear of failing. The possibility of failing. Okay. Yep. And and it took her a couple times of coming back to that sign to really realize how much she was limiting herself because of what she thought she would fail at. And so when you think mm. about it, when, when if, if you could t- take the possibility of failure off the table, what would you do? And it just, it, it got me now. I ended up doing exactly the same thing I was doing before. I went for the same type of a job, so it didn't change my path. Mm. But it got me to think differently of, of am, I, am I limiting myself on the things that I'm, I'm afraid to do because I would fail? So what would it be? Mm. I don't know if I know yet. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if I know yet. I think I'm still discovering what it could be. Well, that's probably what makes you an interesting human. Yeah. I mean, I think people that <clears throat> end up deciding this is what I'm going to be forever and ever and ever. I don't know. I um, sometimes don't find those folks to be terribly interesting because there's no discovery. There's no exploration. There's no adventure. It's just kind of like this is what I do. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I yeah. agree. But, I mean, I think you... I feel like we are trained, going back to, I think, something like you were saying, Elton, right? We're trained to, or programmed, that we should know, right? So it's kind mm-hmm. of the oh, yeah. it's kind of the imposter syndrome, right? Where you're like, when are they going to figure out that I don't know what the hell I'm doing? Mm. And so I think that instills a little bit of that fear, right? Or that fear of failure. Um, because I think, you know, we are kind of groomed to always look and appear as though we actually have our shit together, right? Think about it, right? Yeah. We're all we're in new roles, right? You yeah. know, new roles. You're going through some transition and into a new role eventually. And I mean, I think it's the same. I mean, I think that's what I took from this last experience that I just had. That where I'm at now, it's like, okay, if I fail, I fail. And I think mm-hmm. it's it's the going back to what you were talking about, is it the, if failure was off the table or is it more about getting comfortable with failure and that failure is okay? Um, good question. I think that, I think that they are two, those are two very different questions. And I think it depends on the person and where they are. Right. I, I would agree. I guess my challenge to that would be is, does it matter who the person is and is that how it should be? Well, I mean, it, it, it likely depends on how much they have to lose. So, so put, in the, put in the framework of your kids, who we all want better for than us. Is it about wanting them to not be afraid of failure? I want my kids to be comfortable trying anything that's safe anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? So you don't, get, you don't get dinged in life for failing. You miss out when you don't try things, right? Right. Yeah.
us bourbon boys, we want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Bourbon on.